Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in to episode number 98 of the Legal Sports Report podcast. I'm Adam Candy sitting in for our friend Matt Brown here today, along with Dustin Gauker. I am not going to do what Matt does and say it's the brightest minds in the gaming industry because, you know, we're sitting here talking about ourselves and let's not quite go that far. Uh, We're minds. We're minds. Yeah, we are. We are minds in the industry. Yes, let's go that far. I can I can definitely handle that. No shock what we're going to talk about this week, folks. Uh, But first, if you have not already, please hit that button right on your podcast to subscribe to the Legal Sports Report podcast. Have it delivered to you every week. The little notification will pop right up on your phone and say, hey, those yokels started talking again. You should listen to it. Uh, Rate and review as well so that other people can find us as well. Uh, Yes, there was a full week of sports betting news, but we know that there is one story in particular that everyone has tuned in to talk about. It is the story that has dominated our lives for years. And yet, even though it appears to have reached some sort of resolution, Dustin, I have a feeling it's going to dominate our lives for years to come as well, based on what we've seen thus far. We're talking, of course, about New York, the fact that there was a deal reached for mobile sports betting in New York this week. We've now seen the language in the state budget because it appears that is the vehicle that will be used to pass mobile sports betting in New York. Uh, This is something that Governor Cuomo got everyone excited about in January, Dustin. And then we've sort of been walking that excitement back for the last three months, culminating in what we saw. Why don't you start out and kind of fill people in on what this deal looks like and the reaction it's been generating. Yeah, the top level is, I mean, if you've been following this, it was very sketchy on whether this was going to make the budget. It was, you know, uh, some people are calling it a coin flip. Some people said it was definitely in. Who knows? But we got to early this week. It it started looking very positive that something would be in the New York state budget uh, related to online sports betting. And indeed, you know, in the last 24 hours, we've actually seen uh, legislation come come into effect to enable it as part of the larger New York budget. They're earmarking uh, later on in the life cycle of this down a couple of years down the road, $500 million in revenue for the state in a fiscal year, uh, which we can get into too later. But so we have but this has all basically been the Cuomo plan, more or less. There's a little bit of uh, of, of not quite a monopoly, but mostly monopoly. Uh, it's going to be state run. You're asking for a revenue share of between 50 and 50. 55% from operators. Uh, we don't know exactly who those operators are going to be or how they get in or how it all works. It's very confusing from, I know from both you and I reading it and from the various opinions I've gotten on the legislation from around the sports betting industry. So, so yes, the, the top level is online sports betting appears to be coming. We're not super excited about it, but you probably will be able to bet online. And that's not to, not to mention the possibility of, of some legal shenanigans here that might slow things up that could come from a variety of different angles. 
So within that legislation, Dustin, there's some language that I think has confused just about everybody who has read it, because as you mentioned, there is an attempt to include more than one brand, right? Because this was based on New Hampshire. New Hampshire essentially put out a request for proposals that said, show us based on how much revenue you would share with us what it would look like. And DraftKings came along and gave them a graduated proposal that said, look, we would share this much if you have three operators, this much if you have two operators, we would share 51% of the revenue if it's only us, which is ultimately what the regulators in New Hampshire ended up choosing. But there's an attempt to do things a little bit differently in New York. There's language that talks about platform providers. There's language that talks about Operators, there's language that talks about licensees, and I thus far have not been able to figure out nor talk to anyone who has really been able to explain it to me what that language is intended to clear up. Do you or anybody you've talked to have any better sense of what they mean by those different terms that are in the budget? Uh, I'm in the same boat, and I've talked to people on both sides of the spectrum that have different opinions on exactly what this all means. And I, you know, what happened and somebody termed this to me privately as well. What they did was take the Cuomo plan and the legislative plan and tried to mash them up uh, in a way that made zero sense. And the end result was a mishmash of, of language and a word salad that doesn't really make sense to any of us who have followed sports betting legalization. So Yes, platform provider is the is the one that's getting us all tripped up. Like it it, it authorizes up to two platform providers. Now, in the parlance of online gambling, a platform provider is is more or less the tech stack. This is what it operates on, and then there are up to there are at least four quote unquote skins under the, the legislation that could be a part of of New York sports betting. Now, does does you know if I'm reading that, I read it as okay, you have a two tech platforms. There are skins that live on those tech platforms, and that's what, what, what it is. Some people are right, reading this as this is basically just means two licensees. They can sub-license it out to other people. I don't think any of us know, and I'm not sure even the lawmakers or the people who, 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 who wrote this law know, and it's probably going to get fleshed out at a later date, and we're all going to find out. I don't know what you've heard, but I, I know we've both just heard, and, and, our, and our, our reporters who have been following New York as well have just heard a, you know everything under the sun. And I'm not sure anybody has a great answer on what New York is going to look like. Yeah, it does. And it goes right along with what you've heard in general from the people that I've spoken with, where a lot of the language looks like things that were left in old versions of a bill that were never cleaned up. Uh, and it really exa is exactly that. There were multiple versions of a bill that came together that, uh, you know, sort of looks like you took the Mr. Potato Head and stuck the eye where the arm is supposed to go and, you know, the hat where the foot is supposed to go. So, you know, it's really difficult to make heads or tails of what it is. And I'll give you a little preview of a story coming out at Legal Sports Report either uh, later today here on Wednesday or potentially uh, in the morning, depending on which folks we're able to talk to. But our Matthew Waters, who's been following the story for us throughout, spoke with Senator Joe Adabo earlier today and asked him some of these questions, asked him about platform providers, asked him about licensees and opera, uh, operators and so on. And essentially, he said, give it time, have patience. We don't really know yet, um, which is not the most encouraging thing you could hear from someone who has been part of the negotiations right here from day one. Um, it's part of why I think it's important for us to explain here now that, yes, 
I personally wrote a, a story that was not particularly complimentary of what's come out. Both of us have spoken on our social media about the fact that this does not look like a good bill. Um, and we're talking very specifically about the legislation itself. We've been clear in the past about the fact that the monopoly model, the lottery run model, we do not think is the best way to operate sports betting in a US market. But we can't even get to talking about that yet. We're not talking about is it a closed model? Is it an open model? What we are talking about right now is the actual legislation itself is not only unclear and ambiguous, but we believe that there's probably ripe for legal challenges as well, if not from the Oneida Nation, uh, you know, who have tribal concerns, but potentially from some people who are excluded from the bill, including some of the casinos in the state. Yeah, that's that's the met. Like, I don't think I've read sports betting legislation or laws that was like this, where you just you. I mean, there might be points where you get confused, but like, I just I've been thinking about this for going on the last twenty four hours and talking to people and reading about it and reading the legislation over and multiple times and the definitions of things. And I, and, and yeah, and it's the same thing. Other other people come read the same thing and come away with a wildly different perception of what York has authorized. And yes, you can listen to Senator Dabo and like. If he gets his way, uh, maybe maybe he, it runs more like the legislative way where you basically have licensees and sub licensees off of a license. And that would be, you know, definitely uh, superior to what, you know, the tech platforms and skins on a tech platform. But, yeah, we we just don't know. I mean, we're all we're literally all speculating. And, and I dollars and donuts. I don't think anybody who wrote the bill really knows either. And we're going to we're, we're going to wait for the New York State Gaming Commission to come in and try to make heads or tails of this. And you're, you're going to have a lot. You know, we've seen lobbyists get involved in Pennsylvania. Otherwise, in other words, and trying to see what the what the rules are for regulations. You're definitely going to see that in New York in a lot of ways. Everybody's going to be trying to get involved that you're going to have an RFP process that starts this summer. Um, and, you know, but before that, you're going to have to like who can actually apply. Is it actually open season or is it somebody who actually can run a tech platform that can have skins on it? I don't know. As we sit here, that's 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 the big problem that we all have right now in trying to diagnose what's going on in New York. Yeah. Uh, we as content creators can't really just put a giant shrug emoji up with a headline, but you know, in some ways it's kind of where we are right now in trying to interpret everything that's happened, uh, to build on what you were saying. That's one part I didn't get into very well. Uh, for those of you listening who are trying to understand, well, where do we go from here? Right? What comes next? This is not a done deal, but in terms of the legislative side, the reason it's built into the budget is because this now gives it a vehicle to get through the legislature fairly seamlessly. Uh, $500 million, as you mentioned earlier, in year three and beyond is the projection in the budget that Governor Cuomo built in. So essentially, this is built into the budget with money to be delivered uh, primarily to education in the state via the state lottery. There's also some provision in the bill for responsible gaming. I think it's about up to six million after the first year, up to five million for um, for a program for youth sports for underserved communities that's built into this. But the big thing is at least five hundred million dollars dedicated in the budget. So if you have a dedicated budget stream, it's different than trying to pass a standalone bill. Um, you know that, of course, but I've had some questions this week from folks who don't necessarily understand the process. So trying to lay that out a little bit, uh, a little bit more clearly. And then July 1st is the date that the New York Gaming Commission has to put out the RFP. So think about that. So we have less than three months for the Gaming Commission to try to make sense of what's in that bill 
assuming that the language stays the same as it is and that there are no more changes made by the legislature on the way to the governor. Realistically, we're probably going to be looking at six weeks or so for them to craft the regulations. There is some language in the bill that kind of lays out what the bid process is supposed to look like. But Dustin, to me, it was all fairly subjective, right? There was nothing that that said, okay, the ranking system or the scoring that's going to be done in this process is is clear as to how the gaming commission is going to score these applications. The applications are going to have to be in by August 1st. Then there is a 150 day period from August 1st by which uh, the Gaming Commission will have to make its selections. So Adabo told Matt Waters earlier, end of the year, maybe the Super Bowl is kind of what we're looking at in terms of launch. Yeah, and that at least, yeah, I mean, it sounds achievable. Again, you're right. The t- part about the, the State Gaming Commission getting taking all this and putting it, getting ready for the RFP process. That's the, that's the biggest lift here. It has to happen very quickly, but you know, it probably will happen. And, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, this is, this is basically a done deal. Like I said, but it's a budget vehicle. It's not, I mean, other than there could be changes. Uh, I think the assembly is probably voting scheduled to vote on this today or tomorrow, depending on how things are going. Uh, you know, this is the governor's plan in theory. So he's not going to, be wanting to change it or line item it or what have you. So this is, this is what we're, we're getting. So yeah, the, the RFP process is really uh, who can apply. That's the biggest question I have right now. Like who, who is going to apply and who can apply. And that's also really important in terms of whether New York maximizes revenue. Like if everybody, if, if this is DraftKings one, FanDuel two, you're going to Mac, you're getting close to maximizing revenue. These are the two biggest players. They can instantly, you know, turn their DFS databases into sports betting revenue. That's no question about that. Um, you know, if you and you get the smaller you get, the probably the the, the slower it is. And, and the other part of this is you're giving fifty to fifty five percent of revenue. You know, we've been doom and gloom on tax rates in Pennsylvania. Maybe we're a little bit wrong, but you know, the, the more money you have to you have to give to somebody else, right? You're spent. You're off the bat. You're probably you know, we're gonna say people are probably gonna come in at fifty percent to make sure they get the bid, right? You're you're taking that money and that's money that's not going to other things, i.e. marketing, i.e. product improvement, i.e. everything. Right. Although, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel do have some existing deals with teams in the market uh, already and, and leagues and things like that. So it's but, yeah, this RFP process is is where the rubber meets the road. Who Who is going to get it? What are they going to bid? Uh, I don't know. And I don't know. Like, he, like DraftKings put out a statement today. We saw that they're, they, they were thinking Governor Cuomo. So I guess they think they're getting one of these licenses. And, uh, you know, I think FanDuel probably thinks they're getting one, too. But there's only like, right now there's only two plus the, whatever the skins are that are on top of that. So, again, I, just, I can't reiterate how much how much the entire like everybody's confused. And I, like I don't I, I would love to talk to the people who actually wrote the language and like pick their brains. So that's not going to happen. I don't think uh, we don't, th- that was a, a dark room that we, th- that we don't have any insights into other than we know that, you know, that the Dabo and Pretlow who have been the, the leaders on this mashed in their existing language into basically the Cuomo plan and out came a Frankenstein. I very purposefully have not let us down the road of, well, who's going to get the licenses because it's still so unclear right now as to who, as you just said, who applies and what a brand is, right? Do we say that Flutter puts in for this and that means that they are the licensee and their skins are FanDuel and Foxbet? We don't know. Like that, that's one theory that's floating out there right now is that the way it could work, but it doesn't seem fruitful to me to go too much deeper than that until we have a little bit more clarity 
as to how this will work. Um, Here's what we think earlier. What we do know, though, right, is the is we think the market access deals are meaningless. Right. Is it that, does seem we, that way. It, yeah, it does <laughs> like absolutely been, seem we, that way. Like I, I like was talking, you know, about we were talking earlier. And, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I want I was building on I wanted to build on that and say, you know, like uh, we were saying earlier in, in our in our Slack, like a, a company like PointsBet that thought it had a market access deal is probably not in a very good position right now. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the, we had first skin deals for the four commercial casinos, right? And you had DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet365, Rivers. Bet Rivers actually owns, uh, has the relationship with Rivers Casino, Schenectady, obviously. So those are the four commercial casinos. Those were locked down for since the beginning of time. Like, I feel like most of those were done in 2019, if I remember correctly. So, but those are like, as far as I can tell, this is an open bid process. All you have to do is pay those casinos now $5 million under the law to, to house your servers and you're done. Like, you don't, the, the market access deals, unless we're all, you know, misreading the situation really don't matter other than you already have a little bit of relationship. You're already running a retail sports book, but you're proposing this to the state. It doesn't matter what the casino deal is, right? Other than you need to be able to build servers there. That's really the only relationship with the, the casinos. And, and for those wondering why that is, it's all because of this constant, uh, you know, the New York can't, hasn't changed this constitution. So everything has to run through these commercial casinos because that's the way the law was written. You have to, the bets have to take place on at the commercial casinos as the raw law is written from the constitutional amendment. And you can't just put servers anywhere and, and, and say, Oh, we're all good. So that's, that's why we're seeing everything run through this. And like, and you know, Cuomo has famously said, he wants to cut the casinos out while they're getting $5 million at least to, uh, to house servers for whatever, whoever gets the sports betting uh, licenses here in New York. But, um, yeah, it's it is proof, but the, the market access deals it's the crazy thing, and then you have second skin. You mentioned points bet. Uh, Barstool had a second skin deal as well. The, I, mean, it, I don't know. You can argue that it's even better for Barstool because the second skin might have been meaningless no matter what got passed, and now they're into an open bid process where maybe they get in. I don't know. No, and and like you said, I don't know, but that is a very good point uh, to consider: is that they might make out better from being able to bid on it than having to wait to see does a deal include one skin or two skins um yeah it's 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 a lot um this whole this whole thing is is a lot um and we haven't even gotten to the legal stuff like uh, that was next yeah yeah it's the the the, like i mean the the united tribe for its point you know this is not this is kind of tries to include tribes but not in a way that makes anybody any of them happy i don't think do they sue to stop this I mean, they've been putting out statements on a daily basis through at least through the Buffalo News, it seems like saying we basically basically saying they think this is a disaster and that they that they that it's it's right for a legal challenge. Do they challenge in court? Maybe, I guess. Yeah. And we're having the same discussion in a way that we were having in Connecticut not all that long ago before there was a deal actually reached with the tribes and Governor Ned Lamont because. The Oneida are talking about the fact that they have exclusivity given to them through a deal in 2013 for a 10 county area in upstate New York. And essentially, the Oneida put out a statement yesterday that said, uh, this deal is a step backward. We're not exactly sure what we're supposed to do. Are we supposed to be bidding to offer sports betting within our own zone that's supposed to be exclusive to us? And if we have to bid in something that's supposed to be exclusive to us, then that violates the terms of the agreement that we made. And by the way, we pay about $70 million to the state as a result of those agreements, which is the same thing we were hearing in Connecticut, where they were threatening to stop making the slot payments to the state. So 
That's why this is not a done deal. That's not why it's not like, hey, turn the switch on by the Super Bowl and things are done here. There's at least one more step when it comes to this, when it comes to having to sort out the tribal concerns, which it kind of seems were just glossed over in this process. And the other piece, Dustin, we talked about the casinos and the fact that, you know, essentially they'll get paid five million dollars a piece to be a landlord for a server. Um, do they want to challenge this? Do they want to say they were left out of this bill uh, unfairly? Are they happy with getting essentially a five million dollar payment for saying, hey, go put the servers over there? Uh, we don't know. Maybe that's enough for them and maybe that's not. But it's still something that bears watching through the rest of this process. Um, we just don't know yet. Yeah. And, there, and there's some questions about still. I mean, this, there's always been questions about the constitutionality of all of this. Like here's your uh, and you you pointed out earlier a good piece a little bit ago about by John Holden, a legal expert, academic who who talked about at length what where where is a bet placed? And again, the the the, the, the whole law is being crafted around the idea that the bet is placed on these servers at these commercial casinos. Is that correct? Not settled case law from where from where I sit or from John sits. You 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 know the this has always been a kind of a ham-handed way to get sports betting into New York without changing the constitution that you have to run it through these commercial casinos. And you know if the I mean, if if the bet is being placed to the servers and and courts agree with that, yes. Yeah. So you're you mean you're ripe for a constitutional challenge from really anybody who wants to say. This isn't constitutional. We saw this with uh, with daily fantasy sports and uh, the law they passed there that this was that they passed a, a law expanding gambling without uh, uh, contemplating the Constitution here. Same thing. Is this, uh, is this actually constitutional in that is it's can they just say, oh, yes, these breaths are on servers on these commercial casinos? Totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. That's at least grounds to to bring a, a court case if you want to, I think. Uh, yeah. And just as a disclaimer, John, one of a number of experts that we consulted uh, in that piece about where uh, a bet is placed sort of consensus that we came to about, OK, there's, this is the best that we can come up with based on what the case law is, because the other thing that we're not even talking about, and I'm not going all the way down this rabbit hole, but if we want to get into the whole intermediate routing question when it comes to the wire acts, like we could get back to the whole idea of where the bet travels uh, from a law that was passed based on rotary phones and didn't exactly imagine wires crossing the entire world. But so far, it sort of seems like no one has been wanting to go challenge it um, in that direction. So as it is, we are following this thing every day as closely uh, as possible. There's more information to come because not anybody who is involved in this process believes that they know everything uh, that there is to know about it yet. But we are tracking it. And, um, you know, Dustin, that normally... Uh, the story that is number two on our agenda would probably have been number one uh, for many different months. And that, of course, is the fact that Illinois has once again gone back to in-person registration. Uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker decided not to renew the executive order that essentially he'd been renewing uh, in an ongoing fashion every 30 days since August uh, to allow sportsbooks in Illinois to sign people up remotely on their phone, not have to go to a casino. Uh, now, according to the governor's press secretary, uh, the COVID situation in Illinois is such that they don't feel they need to have a suspension of in-person registration anymore. Um, newsflash, by the way, their case numbers rose by 700 positives per week uh, last week. So maybe not, uh, but that's just a little bit of an aside, uh, but I mean, Dustin, we had seen the Illinois market really take off in the time that the suspension had been in place. 
Yeah, I mean, Illinois, uh, you know, definitely a top five market could be up to like a number two market if it if it had gone unabated here. But it's clearly not anymore. And I'll just go. Back. This could have just been half an hour of you and I banging our heads, I guess, talking about it is more entertaining <laughs> than that. But this it's like this is two of the worst policy decisions we've seen uh, in the short time of, of U.S. sports betting being legalized here is between New York passing what is a, was a fairly awful law or about to pass whatever's fairly awful law and Illinois, which had gotten things back on the right track with, by allowing registration going, the governor going back and saying, you have to go in person. So, you know, growth is kind of cut off. You're, you're basically back to the customers that you had, right? You're not going to go. Some people, I guess will go to a casino and sign up. That's not, but there's not going to be many of those. And you'll like, Whatever customers you acquired in the last several months, yes, they'll come come back for NFL season and they'll probably bet a lot. So there might be a little growth in that respect, but you can't you can't really grow a market with just basically a, a static user base, right? And you'll have some attrition too of people not not continuing to bet, going back to offshore, whatever, whatever it is. So this has been, yeah, this is not a great decision. Uh, one, yeah, it's just bad policy. You know, COVID COVID is from a COVID perspective. And from good policy perspective, although this is what the law prescribed, right? The law prescribed in-person registration until these mobile operators. And that's uh, until a mobile only quote unquote operator comes in, which is the big, really big piece of this is as we look at this, Adam, it's uh, what, what, what's the path to going back to remote registration? Because it's tied to that in the law and the red and the regulations. What are we looking at? In terms of uh, without Pritzker coming back and changing this again, what are we looking at from when this might be back turned back on or at all? So what we're seeing here is that if someone were to go and decide, okay, I'm willing to pay the $20 million for a mobile only license right here, right now today, I don't want to partner with a casino. I want a mobile only license. You are able to apply for that in Illinois right now, just the same way you've been since the law was passed, but nobody has chosen to go that route. It's far more cost effective to partner with an existing casino and spend far less than $20 million to do that. But there are a couple of companies that were in the pipeline that didn't have an opportunity to get on the same footing with everybody else. Uh, BetMGM, most notably among them, had a license application in. Would they want to pay to get in sooner? I'm not necessarily sure they would because we're looking at the spigot being turned back on in January, potentially in time for the Super Bowl, um, especially now that the Super Bowl has been moved back a week. The question, of course, becomes, do they want a full football season of acquisition in Illinois? How much is that worth to them? Because the trick is it's not just whoever pays for the license. If you decide to pay for the license and open up registration, you open it up for everybody, not just for you. So that would mean that everybody else is back in acquiring customers as well. But the reason I said I'm not so sure is because, as we know, this is the slower season for sportsbook in, in terms of acquiring customers, right? Basically, from the end of March Madness through the beginning of football season is the quieter time of year in terms of bringing customers in. Uh, and it will be a situation where, as you mentioned, attrition is possible, right? There are betters who, if they're not continuing to get bonus or if they're not continuing to get offers that want to, uh, you know, incentivize them to bet, they might just sort of fall off or they might be, you know, dormant to where they would be available to someone else to come back in uh, when the market opens back up. But we're looking at January of 22 in order to do that. We clarified that with the Illinois Gaming Board earlier this week. Uh, there was some confusion over exactly when, but yeah, it is January uh, of 22 that it would restart. 
Dustin, I, I guess the part I don't really understand, and this is the part that's going to lead to us probably banging our head against the wall and, and playing both amateur politician and policy analysts is the excuse given or the reason given, I shouldn't give away the game there. The reason given was that, well, vaccinations are rising and, you know, we can now say that we're confident that people can, you know, go back in person. Um, but that's not the case. Like you look at Illinois numbers, Illinois numbers are rising. The variants, the UK variants uh, in particular cases are rising. It is more transmissible. If you want to say that you're trying to, you know, go back to the original law, sure. Say you're going back to the original law. There's not much anybody can argue with, but arguing that it's because, Hey, everything's safe now. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely not. That's yeah. I mean, this was, this has always been the, the, the public policy of this in the, in the timing of it alongside the pandemic is that, you know, it just makes sense to let, like, there's zero reason for people to have to go into casinos anymore. Right. To, to verify that they are, this is, this is a, a you know, what it was as a protectionist policy for existing land-based casinos, particularly rivers casino outside of Chicago. That's what, that's what they wanted. And that's, they, they viewed, they viewed this as, you know, a, a, a middle finger to DraftKings and Fandle to put it light, to put it not so nicely. They were trying to keep them out. DraftKings and Fandle found themselves in any way without needing this $20 million mobile only license. And we're, we're back where there's, we're basically to the point where there's no reason for this law to exist because it was, it was meant to keep those, to keep companies out and those companies have gotten in. So we're now upholding a law, you know, again, whether, I mean, Pritzker continue just extending the executive order like he did not do just recently, but there's, there's just no practical reason for this. So we, we look at it either. Yes. Either somebody's coming in and doing this, or we have a legislative fix or, you know, uh, Governor Pritzker said start, uh, people get in his in the Governor Pritzker's ear and say, we need an executive order to fix this because we can't because it's dumb. Like, but even, you know, for me, it's you look at Rivers as they're now, a, you know, Rush Street Interactive is now a publicly traded company. They should be wanting to maximize revenues for where I sit. And they're certainly not going to do that with uh, the way things are in Illinois right now. One of the one of the places where they have an advantage because they have the existing casino uh, you know, the plane outside of Chicago. So it's, it's, it's mind boggling to me that this is where we are. I mean, guess not mind boggling because we knew Illinois was a cluster of a law when they passed it as well, but this is where we sit and there's a, you know, we're not, we're looking at it. I don't know when exactly when you're going to see in-person or in-person registration go back, go away and, and remote registration come back. You know, you hope it's in January, but you know, that's, we don't know that for certain. I don't even think without, you know, guarantee that somebody's going to come in and buy that mobile license. You know, it's as you said about Rivers, because the toothpaste is out of the tube at this point. You know, the DraftKings and FanDuel have customers. Other companies like PointsBet and, uh, and William Hill have customers. There's, there's nothing you can do about that. It's over. And yet the fact that Pritzker went back on what had been fairly consistent suspensions of the order indicates that Rivers is back to political machinations again. And we can't say that for sure. I don't want to get a cease and desist letter or anything along those lines. But, you know, Rivers certainly has had an influence on Pritzker in the past. And it appears that that is, again, the case. And that's why I wouldn't count on a, a legislative fix, because the same pressures that leaned on legislators to put this in place in the first place is probably going to be there again to keep them from fixing it. So I, I would be looking toward January of 22 for for that. Uh, one other story we thought was probably worth getting to this week, the second state to legalize in 2021, although realistically the first state to legalize because South Dakota was just passing an enabling law that went along with the fact that voters had legalized sports betting in Deadwood at the ballot box in November of 2020. Um, as we predicted, 
Wyoming. No, we, we did not predict Wyoming uh, at all. We did not predict Wyoming for a second. But this bill passed with one hiccup in the House. It failed in the House initially, was put to a reconsideration after some fixes to the language. Nothing quite too, too serious from our reporting. And then passed all the way along to Governor Mark Gordon, who signed it into law. And Wyoming looks like it should be able to get up and running by football season this year with a model that's going to look a lot like uh, Colorado, uh, especially I should say Tennessee, because it's going to be completely untethered. Yeah, you have uh, multiple online operators. I don't mean it, look, it looks on top level like Wyoming did a, a decent deal here, uh, you know. You don't probably need a ton of operators. You're only serving a state with a half a million people. Uh, you know, I think you, you look at Jackson Hole, you hope that there's, you probably think there's probably some big betters coming to Jackson Hole once in a while uh, to, to go skiing or hang out. So, um, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely was not thinking Wyoming was, was, was going to be, or South Dakota, like the, like these are, this is not the biggest states, but you know, it is along the path of legalization and it's good to see no matter what we're seeing states, you know, ado adopt it. And, you know, the, the ideal should be, you know, all the states should eventually have hopefully something uh, other than Utah. Uh, I think Utah, you can safely scratch off the list, but you know, we're, ha we're ha we have another state legalizing, which is a, is a positive development for uh, the legal model here in the U S you know, I was talking to a representative from one of the big operators about this earlier uh, this week, and they brought up the point that you just did and said there aren't a lot of people, but there are a lot of wealthy people. Uh, there are a lot of people who enjoy all of the outdoor wonders of uh, the Grand Teton National Park and the areas surrounding it. So it could be a place that puts up a surprising amount uh, of handle, not maybe to the point of some of the projections that we saw uh, thrown out there of hundreds of millions of dollars. But at the same time, certainly uh, Wyoming could be a state to watch when it comes to what's happening over the latter part of 2021. I'm, I'm going to the Tetons in July. I hope they're live. Let's OK. The, the, you know what, Wyoming, the challenge has been laid down for you that Dustin would like to be able to place wagers on his vacation. Go ahead and get that done. Uh, that's it for the LSR podcast for this week. If you haven't subscribed uh, already, please go ahead and do so. Uh, Matt Brown will be back with us next week. Of course, you can go to LegalSportsReport.com if you want to check out all of our stories that we've discussed. Of course, we only discussed three stories. I can tell you as the guy who hits the publish button on most of these stories, there are 14 already up this week. So there's plenty more than what we've discussed for you to go check out on LSR uh, on Twitter at LSP report. Dustin Gauker, of course, can be found on Twitter at Dustin Gauker. I'm Adam Candy at Adam Candy, as Matt Brown would say, two E's, no Y. For Dustin, I'm Adam. We'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.